all day long. Okay, come on, wake up. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. Wake up. You went to La La Land during that storybook rhyme. Now you're going to sleep. Everybody wake up. Look at your neighbor and shake them and say, wake up. Um, that expectation gap between, that gap between what you expect and what you experience. And we're going to start first with what you expect from others and what you experience and the frustration that comes from it. I don't know if you've ever been to a great clothing store. I have a few times in my life been taken by spiritual daughters to very expensive stores and they spend millions of dollars on lights. But there's often a discrepancy in what you look like in that outfit in the store and when you get it home. Can I get an amen at least from a woman in the house? I mean, when you put it on in the store, you thought, I look 10 pounds thinner. I look so young. I look hip. And then you come home and you show it to your teenagers. Recently, someone gave me a lot of clothes. It wasn't even in this house. It was a friend in another state who's got a little different style. And I put on the skirt and Courtney says, you look like a teenager. Christine says, you look like an old woman. I couldn't learn. Come on, I couldn't win. The Hope House girls love that skirt. I wore it on July 4th. But at any rate, um, there you have it. But there is a discrepancy sometimes because they spend millions of dollars that those lights appear away in the uh, changing room so that you will buy it. But sometimes there's a discrepancy what you see because there's a science in those lights. I don't ever want us as the body of Christ or as Christ's believers to shed a light on expectations in this house or in any house, or any time we're teaching, or any time we're discipling you, that we shed a light on something that when you get it out of the store, when you get it back home, it doesn't look the same. If we ever make you believe that there is no disappointments, then we are in error, that there are no times that things do not go as you want them to. This is a good message. It ends with a resurrection. Look at your neighbor and say, this is a good message. But there is that gap there. And uh, if we ever make you believe that being a Christ follower, God is good and good all the time. God is, but every day you don't feel that way. Can I get an amen? Every day you don't feel that way. If, if somehow we make you believe that, that being a Christ follower, you just bring out your harp and play it in the face of the enemy while your children gather around you spontaneously singing, great is thy faithfulness. And then they begin to quote the Psalms 23 in perfect Hebrew. We have done you a disservice. Look at your neighbor and say, I know that's right. A gap between what we expect and what we experience. It's a frustration. Um, years ago, when you want to download a pic on the internet, three or four hours, you had to keep coming back. Anybody remember dial up? And all that time to and you slow. Now, if we get slow Wi-Fi anywhere, if we can't get Facebook somewhere, it's like we're in the third level of hell. Come on, somebody. We want to put our picture in Fox's Book of Martyrs. I don't have Wi-Fi. I can't post on Facebook. Put my name with the martyrs. We want to curse the day we're born because we've come to expect so much. The way we respond to disappointments, the way we respond to expectations. You see, if we lower our expectation to our experience, then we become hopeless, negative, and cynical. If we lower our expectation to our experience, then we become those people that said, I'm never going to be happy. I'm going to hope for the best, but I know I got to always expect the worst. It's problematic when we lower our expectation to our experience. When what we say is like hee-haw used to say, all of you that remember hee-haw that roamed the earth with dinosaurs, if it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Instead of bringing our expectation down to the level of our experiences, we've got to let God fill in the gap. Put your hand on your heart. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, into this word this morning. I ask you to speak in this short time I've assigned my own self in a way that only you can. I pray that I would only say, you know who's here, Holy Spirit. I pray we'd sequester our mind 
for the next 40 minutes to hear the word of God. We'll have to do that each ourselves and focus on the word. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Have your way, sir. I trust you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Luke 10 is where we're going to start um, because in Luke 10 and verse 38, a familiar passage, I'd like to look at it a different way, if you'd allow me, about the gap between what you expect in life and what you end up experiencing. People took vacations this summer. What they expected was not what they got, and they were disappointed. People have gotten married. No one in this house, hallelujah, have gotten married out there in the world, and what they expected was not what they experienced. It happens all the time. In, 10, in Luke 10, 38, now it happened as they went that Jesus entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Say it was Martha's house. Don't you forget that moment. Everybody gives Martha a bad rap. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve? Therefore, tell her to come and help me. You ever been there? And Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha. Look at your neighbor and say, Martha, Martha. You are worried and troubled about many things. See, Martha thought he was going to come fix the problem, but he came to fix her. That's what happens sometimes in that gap between expectation and experience. We want God to fix everyone else, and God, through the situation, comes to fix us and comes to change us. And he said, Martha, you're so worried and troubled about many things. Verse 42, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part. Everyone say that good part. And that will not be taken away from her. Now let me tell you this morning, everyone has a sermon on Martha. This is not about, about expectation. We're going to move into John in a few minutes in the last part of this message. But I want to teach you about expectations with others. And everyone gives Martha a bad rap. But I want to tell you up front, if, if it, Martha, it said it was Martha's home. Everyone say it was Martha's home. If the woman had not a get it done kind of woman, there wouldn't have been a home for Mary to sit on her hind end and worship Jesus. Come on, somebody. There, come on, thank you. There's got to be people that work. There's got to be people that take care of things. If Martha had not, if it had not been her home, we all say, oh, Martha, Martha, a little busy Martha. Oh, don't be busy like Martha. If you've been in the, in the kingdom a long time like me, you've heard that a long time. But I'm going to tell you something. We ain't eating if Martha's not in the kitchen. We're going to have hot dogs instead of a casserole. Can you get an amen? We're going to eat a bun. A little, Mary would have cooked a little bun because that's all she'd have had time for. But Martha planned. But I want to tell you what happened to Martha often happens to us in that gap between our expectation of each other and our experience. Because what makes her effective backfires on her, and she begins to impose her standard on someone else. Number one, to deal with that gap, we cannot expect, we cannot expect others to do for us what we do not express. You cannot read my mind. It's not fair that Mary didn't know what Martha was thinking. Martha does take it. Now, this is not a license this morning for everyone to go home, type up a list of glorious expectations, and pass them out to everyone that you know. We'd become a season of entitlement people, amen? If we did that, that does not mean I have a right to give every one of you a list. This is what I expect from you this morning. But it means with the relationships that matter, we must speak what we expect. At least Martha's saying it. Some of us don't say it. We just get mad. Come on. Anybody else ever slam doors in your house? Anybody else ever knocked pawns and pots and pans around? Oh, we knew mama was mad. And we could hear the pots. In fact, sometimes my kids will come up just to see what I'm doing. And sometimes I am mad. But sometimes I'm just having a hard time getting the pan out from those um, unorganized cabinets that Linda Jarvis sees often when she comes to my house. Come on, everyone say amen. No one else has an unorganized cabinet. That's okay. It's fine. Don't expect me to be organized, honey. This is my gift. I know where I can find stuff. Come on. My house is clean and cute. Give me a hand. Come on. Give me a hand. Come on. Don't judge. Give me a hand. 
But you see, some of us just bang things around. I've done that. I remember one time I was cleaning the house and pastor decided he was going to watch a movie. I can't remember who people were coming to the house the next day. Um, it wasn't one of the gatherings we've had. I think it was Mother's Day. And I'm working about 830. I'm running from room to room. He goes, wow, you're working so hard. I'm thinking, how can you lay there watching a movie while sweat is profusing? Now, he had worked all day on our rentals from six on, but I didn't ask him for help. Anybody else ever done that? So I wanted to make a show of what I'm doing. Anybody else ever done that? So I sweated my brow. I carried mops and buckets. I mean, far be it for me to work hard and you not know about it. Come on, somebody. You got to see what I'm doing for the king. That's what Martha was doing. She was saying, come be miserable with me. Come be miserable. Mary didn't want to go in there because Martha was miserable. I don't want to come in there and help you because you look miserable. I learned in the early days of the church from pastor, if I want people to work, to get in there with them and make it happy. Play cute music, you know, and brag on what they do. And don't be a perfectionist. Can I get an amen? Because nobody wanted to work with me. If I was like, no, 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 no. You did not do that right. Now you want to have a standard of excellence, but you can't put your standards so high. And you cannot impose on someone else your standard. Martha is saying to Jesus, make Mary help me. Make her get in here with me. Make her be miserable with me. I mean, you ever looked at somebody on Facebook and think, my God, how do you have time to take care of family? You're posting every three minutes. Come on, I know someone else has thought it. Say amen. You ever see people, t- I have minister friends that take vacations. They're in Hawaii one week. The next week, they're in Bermuda. And I'm just saying, who is paying that bill? I'm sorry, I do think that. And the next week, they're in Timbuktu. The next week, they're on a cruise. And I'm thinking, who is speaking to your people? And who is paying your bill? You need to be like me. I mean, I have a life. I'm responsible. I'm working hard. I must now put my burden upon you. And you must be miserable like me. Because some of us have to work to keep the world going. Come on, give yourself a hand and just laugh about it. Give yourself a hand and just laugh about it. We put that burden on some someone else that we carry. Martha wanted to put on Mary her gifting. Martha was a get it done woman and she gets it. Martha gets it. I'll prove to you in a moment. This ends with Martha doing the right thing. But here she was. She was convinced Mary is the problem. But as I said, Jesus came to fix the problem in her. And in verse 41, she's sorry she brought Jesus into the problem. You ever sorry you brought Jesus into the problem? You ever gone, oh, am I the only one? You gone moaning and groaning to Jesus about somebody else? He said, oh, let's don't talk about AC. Let's talk about you. Come on, Rhonda, let's talk about you. I have never, after any conversation, I've never had a conversation with the Lord about Pastor AC that was negative, so just don't go there. But you see, I've never gone to the Lord wanting to fix somebody that the Lord hasn't ended up fixing me because I will stand before God for me and you will stand before God for you. I will not stand before God for you I will not answer for you. I will answer for you. Now, pastors will answer for you. But you see, Martha was saying, if they would just help me. But Jesus spoke and said, Martha, Martha, I appreciate the casserole. God knows if Mary was cooking, we'd be eating a hot dog. It'd be cold. Or we'd just be eating bread. Mary would say, let's just drink juice and eat bread. Who knows who's bringing anything? I don't care. I'm just in the area of worship. You see, often when people teach about this, they make us want to be Mary's. If we, if we all just did what Mary did, nothing would get done. I clean toilets, do you? I put gas in the car, do you? I clean my house, do you? There are responsibilities in life as a Christ follower, and we've got to take the, the light and bring some things out of a shadow. But the next point is sometimes the greatest source of my expectation is my confusion of God's expectation of me. Martha, I've got to cook and clean. I mean, don't you care about the trouble I'm going through, Jesus? Look how hard I'm working. I'm sweating. I'm, 
I'm hitting pots so hard in here, Mary must have cotton in her ears to not hear me. I'm making such a loud bang, carrying the responsibilities at my job. Might be where you are, my brothers. Doesn't Joe that's sitting over his desk not see I am carrying the load of this company? Doesn't my wife see I'm carrying the load of this family? Doesn't my friends see I am doing all this and they're acting like they don't have a responsibility in the world. Come, be miserable with me. Be bitter like me. Be bitter at who's not helping you do what God called you to do is what Martha's saying. And she's going to get it right. I love Martha. If it weren't for Martha's, there would be no church on this premise. Can you say amen? Because I'm part Martha too. But you see, Martha is just in this moment imposing that. And what Jesus is saying, Martha, you're saying to me, don't I care that you're working so hard in your gift that I gave you to bring to the kingdom. All you can see is your little corner of the world, Martha. That's what all we see. All we see is what we do. Can I get a witness? My daddy, when we were growing up, best daddy in the world, best mama, my daddy traveled a lot. When my daddy would go through the house, he'd say, I turned off 14 lights before we went out the front door and I hung up two towels. And I always knew my mom was so respectful of my daddy. She'd say, very lovely, Cecil, that's great. But maybe if you wouldn't announce it to us, honey, because I do that daily. I do that from the minute I get up to the minute I go to bed. I've noticed about men, any other women want to get here with me for a moment. They want to tell you when they take out the trash. Come on. They want to tell you, I put the fork back in the door. What well, do you have no many times I have washed these forks? Oh, come on, women. Just give me a little bit of a break right here. Boo, boo. I'm getting from Chris Vernon and the men. But here is the deal. Jesus says, Jesus says, Martha, you're saying, don't I care about all the work you're doing? Don't I care about what you're carrying? Don't I care about the responsibility? Martha, what I want to say to you, and this is the lesson of this. It's not about serving or not serving. Martha, don't you care that I'm here? I'm here, Martha. I'm here. You're missing that I'm here. You know, Jesus didn't say to Mary, Mary, I'm the rabbi. Get your little self in there, you woman, and cook me a casserole. Come on, woman, I'm the rabbi. No, Jesus imparted a new expectation to Martha in that moment of her feeling overwhelmed. Martha, only one thing's going to last forever. In the midst of your work, in the midst of your burden, in the midst of the gift I've given you that at times, if you let your human eyes, you'll think you're the only one doing anything. In the midst of that, you got to not forget, I am here. Your love for me, your worship for me, your praise to me, your time in my word, that's the only one thing. Everyone say only one thing that will last. You know, we can miss Jesus. We can miss him. We can miss him. A, a few weeks ago, Pastor Hank and I were having some really bad days. We didn't feel good, didn't feel good in a really major way physically, carrying un unbelievable burdens. It was just the two of us there. He was laying on the couch, and I was upstairs in my study trying to get the strength to write some things. And all of a sudden, this sound came from the living room. My Lord, I thought there's angels down it's like I could feel something coming from the den. I immediately, in my flip-flops and ball caps as I normally hang out at the house, ran down into the den. And there on the TV, and I, I thought, I, I know that wasn't on Christian television because I had put it on, I don't know, just some positive channel because he was sleeping on the couch, not feeling good. I wasn't feeling good. He was feeling worse. And right then, it's like the presence of the Lord just filled that kitchen in my busy. I looked at the TV to see what's going on. It was Della Reese on Touched by an Angel. And she was singing, In the midst of his children, There the Lord said he would be. 
It doesn't take very many. It can be just two or three. And I feel that same sweet spirit I felt oftentimes before. Surely we can say we've been with the Lord. And she went that, surely the presence. And I'm not kidding you. I know I'm a bit dramatic. I look over, pastor's crying. I go to the rug in my kitchen. You most all of y'all been there. And I'm just on my face. I'm on my face on that rug. Spirit of the Lord was so powerful and so strong. Who knew? I love touched by an angel. But who knew? God and his angels would walk into our house in the moment that Della Reese was singing on a tape show. I'm going to tell you, God, in the presence of Jesus Christ, your Savior, can walk in in any moment when your house is not together, when your life is not together, when you're full of burdens. He can sing through Della Reese. Oh, I'm trying to retain myself. He can sing through Celine Dion. He can sing through whoever he chooses to. He can come through the bars. He walked into the upper room where the disciples had locked the, wall, the doors for fear. And the Bible said he walked through the walls and said, peace be to you. Give the Lord praise that he can walk through every wall of fear and discouragement. Come on and bring you peace and bring you answers in a way that you would not have thought that he could do. Jesus comes in. He says, don't you care that I'm here? We know that Martha gets it because in John 12, when they're at the table, that message, which is a message I'll preach as a trilogy to this some other time about when others, you, when, when you disappoint the expectations of others. But it says that Mary walked in in John 12 and anointed Jesus' feet. And it says, and Martha was serving. And Lazarus was sitting at the table. Martha didn't say in that passage, Jesus, get old lazy boy Lazarus. You raised him from the dead. Get him up off his lazy boy. Because it says Lazarus was reclining. Don't you love it? At the table eating with Jesus. But she got her peace on who she was. Don't let what you expected, listen to me, because we're fixing to turn, keep you from what God wants you to experience in this place of your life. Don't let what you expected keep you from what God wants you to experience. In this moment, Jesus didn't have mind that Martha would do a work for him. He had in mind he would do a work in her. The thing he wants to work in us through our disappointments in that gap of expectation is most adequately spoken by a woman who wrote a short narrative. I will read it to you before we turn into the next part of this message. We're already halfway there. It's called Welcome to Holland. I heard this years ago, my sweet mama, when she had her mind always had a way of giving me a book. She saw somewhere, just say, you might want to read this. I remember this story was in it, but I couldn't find the book. And I was listening to Rick Warren the other day and he brought the story back up. I was reading to another man on podcast. When I walk, I listen to people to feed myself. And it's called Welcome to Hall. And a woman was asked how she deals with raising Emily Kenyard, her disabled child, to help other, other understand. She said like this, listen, get the picture. She said, dealing with my gap between expectation and experience, the way I'll say it, is like planning a fabulous vacation to Italy. You buy a bunch of guidebooks. You make plans to see the Colosseum, to see Michelangelo's David, to go to the gondolas in Venice. To speak those cute words in Italy. I love going to Maracaroni Grill or Carabas. When you go to the restroom, they're saying, bonjour, or whatever. I don't know what French is. I think that's French. Italy. Anyway, you get, you get ready to say all these Italian phrases. You're excited. Everything is expecting Italy, Italy, Italy. Months go. You build, you pack, you get on the plane. Eager anticipation the day comes. You get on the plane. You arrive after several hours on the plane. But before you get off, the stewardess says this. Welcome to Holland. Holland. You say, what do you mean? I signed up for Italy. I'm supposed to be in Italy. 
All my life I dreamed of going to Italy. Well, I'm sorry there's been a change in flight plans. They've landed in Holland, and that's where you must stay. You see, the important thing she said is to remember they haven't taken you to a horrible, disgusting, filthy place full of pestilence, famine, and disease. Just a different place, so you must go out and buy new guidebooks. You must learn a whole new language. You must meet a whole new group you never would have met. It's just a different place. It's just a slower pace than Italy. It's less flashy than Italy. But after you've been there a while, you catch your breath in that place where what you expected didn't happen the way you expected, and you begin to notice. Holland has windmills. This is okay. Holland has tulips. Holland even has Rembrandts. Everyone you know in your life, this is so true to all of you in moments here, is busy coming and going from Italy, talking about Italy, bragging about Italy, what they're seeing there. But for the rest of your life, there will be a little bit of pain. There will be a little disappointment, a little bit of loss of a dream. But if you spend your life mourning the fact you didn't go to Italy, you may never be free to get the special, lovely things about Holland. Don't let things in your life that disappoint you, don't let what you expected keep you from what God might want you to experience in the moment that things, come on somebody, didn't go the way you had thought they would go. My dad takes care of my mom with Alzheimer's. I can't talk about that. I don't have time. I must move on. But that's not what he expected. Holland, he expected Italy. His sharp as a knife wife, full of the Holy Ghost and discernment. A man of God told me I had my mother's discernment, my dad's charisma. I don't know about that, but I know my mom's got discernment. But he don't have her now. He comes and talks to me about the things he used to talk to her about. He could keep saying and busy himself and say, I'm not in Holland, I'm not in Holland. But he realizes where he is is where he is. And he needs to enjoy Jesus in the moment. Because Jesus is in my daddy's house. Jesus is with my mama. She's constantly talking about faith. Oh, it's fragmented. You, you have to piece it together. But we got to realize in the moment, Christ is with us. What if Ephesians 3 and 10, 20 says, Now unto him who can do exceedingly abundantly above all your expectations. What if that is to take you deeper? What if Jesus is saying, you know what? My presence is here, Martha. My presence is here, brother and sister. But don't let what you expected keep you from experiencing every moment. I am here. Don't focus on what you didn't get in the moment you wanted it from God, that you miss Jesus in the moment that you're in right now. Somebody praise him for that. Come on, that's good. The psalmist says in the New Living Translation, my expectation is of him. That freed me up years ago. I have expectations of you. I want you to worship like me. I want you to speak like me. I want you to dress like me. No, in our flesh, we do. I want you to be just like me. And sometimes I cannot understand why you are not. But I'm not to put on you the expectations I have of mine. I'm to put every expectation and every disappointment on the cross of Calvary to the glory and the lifter of my head. To the one that the psalmist said, from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of the heavens and earth. I will lift up mine eyes to the hills and the maker of those hills. I will not lift my eyes to you. Thank God my husband's expectation is of the Lord and is not of me or he would live severely disappointed. Thank goodness my children will learn that their expectation is of God. He's the only perfect one in the universe or they're gonna be severely disappointed me. Thank you, there was a time in my life I realized my mama and daddy had error in their life, but God is 
truly awesome, authentic, and wonderful. And I must lift up my eyes to the one who can be my glory and the lifter of my head in the time of disappointments. Can you give him a hand clap of praise in this house tonight? Come on. I'm going to turn quickly to John 11 in the last few moments of this message. In John 11, I want you to listen to me. What do you do? We just talked about how we're not to impose on each other our expectations and what to do with the frustration of the gap when you don't do what I think you should do. What Martha did, she realized Jesus was the thing. What do you do when there are disappointments and you land in Holland in your life? Your child makes a decision you didn't want them to make. Your boss makes a decision. People around you disappoint you, whatever, in your workplace, in your home, in your family, however that looks for you, you take it to Christ. But what do you do when God disappoints your expectations? What do you do? This has a good ending. In John 11, I'm going to read. I encourage you not to try to, fi- to follow me, especially after I read a few verses. There was a certain man that was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sister sent to Jesus a word. Everyone say a word. Say, Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Sometimes God momentarily will deny your expectations that he might exceed them. The only way he can exceed them is for in the moment for you disappointed in what you expected because no one's going to expect what God's going to do. I love this because John writes a narrative. He steps us up. He makes us think. He says that they sent word. They relied on details. You know how women are. We ain't never lied on details. Can I get a big amen from a man in the house? We ain't never lied. She just says, the one you love is sick. She doesn't even say his name. I mean, Jesus loves everyone. I mean, it's so interesting, but they said, you know what? The one you love is sick. It's interesting. This morning, who do you expect the most from? Right now, who would you get in your mind? Who do you expect the most from? I guarantee you, possibly, they would fit into one of two categories. One, those that we have done the most for. Can I get an amen? We expect the most. I mean, we deserve it from them, right? We walked them through hell, right? We were there for them, and I expect you to be there for my day of trouble. I'm going to tell you right now, if everyone that you're ever there in the day of trouble, you expect to be there in your day of trouble, you better put that expectation back on the cross because they will not all be there. There will be people that are called to stand with you. This Wednesday night, hopefully, we'll show Nick Wilanda. We couldn't find it Austin Wednesday night. And Joel Osteen stands with him as he walks across the canyon. When I saw Joel Osteen, I'll be honest, my first thought was, oh, God, I hope Nick Wilanda doesn't fall. Because people are going to say, oh, even Joel Osteen could not get him across that canyon. But then I tell myself, you know what? If he feels called to stand with him, he's called to stand with him. I can't change the fact that there might be people that are not called to stand with me. And I can't change the fact that I might not be called to stand with certain people, but I am called to stand with many. And I know that. And I've walked with many people through their hurt and still standing with them and through their trouble and through their disappointment. I have a spiritual daughter in Texas that continually tells me, I don't want you to think this about me. I don't want you to think that about me. And I'm afraid you're going to walk away from me. And I was like, oh my God, you don't know me. You don't know my record. I'm imperfect. I've had mistakes. I've had sins. But I know how to stand with those Jesus tells me. The second category of people is people that have done the most for us because we come to assume it. Amen? You cried to your mom and what'd she do? She stuck a ball in your mouth. Come on, somebody. We expect it from people who have done it for us. Martha and Mary fit into the category in Lazarus. And so when you hear this and John is setting it up, the one that you love, the one that you love, we ain't even going to say his name because you know who we talking about. You know, you know Jesus. 
You know Lazarus, Lazarus, Lazarus. Come on, I gotta get my groove on here just for a moment. You know Jesus. Okay, so we think John is setting us up and we think the next narrative is gonna be, so Jesus came speedily flying like Superman. So Jesus came in, all they'd done for Jesus and all Jesus had done for them. And I mean, we, we think in verse six, should have been written this way. Don't read it, look at me. It should have been written. And when Jesus heard the word immediately, he got up, he flew like Superman. He came immediately, laid hands on Lazarus. Lazarus rose from a painful condition and all around them said, truly this man is the Messiah. Is that not how you would write the story? Everyone say amen. If you were writing this story, because John sets up the formula, here it is. Mary and Martha took care of Jesus, plus Jesus loves Lazarus, equals Jesus heals Lazarus immediately. That's a formula John sets you up for. But experience does not always meet expectations. The real verse six, verse five says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Say he did, love them. So verse six, so when he heard, I love this, so if he'd said, but Chris Vernon, that would have meant he was too busy healing other people. I'll be there, take a number, like Baskin Robbins used to do. Remember that day, everybody? 425, come up. They may still do that. You know, if you're 425, Lazarus, when your number comes up, I'll get to you. If he had said the word but, but he didn't, he said so, which means causation. Causation. He chose to not come. Signifies he could have come. Our Jesus could have come. My mercy, people. Wednesday night, he sent his word. Remember, you that were here, let's just don't talk about it. God was mighty. We ain't gonna tell nobody what God did Wednesday night. Jesus could have sent his word and healed him. He could have sent a handkerchief. What do you do when the God that has the last word doesn't speak the last word when you want it to? What do you do? What do you do? After, when he's a day late, everyone say a day late and a dollar short. He's waiting to exceed your expectations. Look at your neighbor and say, this is gonna get good. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, it's gonna get good. After two days, I love this, he says to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. I mean, after two days, he decides he's going to go to them. Okay. And he says, our friend Lazarus is, has gone to sleep. I love that because you know what it says right there? It says that every doubtful voice in your life, he does love Lazarus. Lazarus is his friend. John doesn't want you to miss that. You see, when a detail gets in this word, so many details didn't get in this word, we got to take notes. John wants you to know Jesus is still calling Lazarus his friend. There's not something that Lazarus has done to set Christ off, put him in a category of the undeserved, the, the one who has done something horrible wrong, and that's why this attack has come. And that's why this hard bump in the road is coming. That's why this sickness has come. No, it's because the enemy came to steal and kill and destroy Jesus says to his disciples, it's good that we were not there. He's asleep. And then one of his disciples says in like Goofy of Disneyland, this is not going to be great, but hold on people. Lord, if he's asleep, he'll get better. And isn't that what we do to Jesus? Give me a hand for my impersonification of Goofy. Thank you. Then Jesus says, you ain't getting it. I'm seeing him asleep, but he says it so it's clear. Lazarus is dead. And I love this, Thomas. I got to pour this in. In another message, I've taught you about this. Thomas says to the other disciples, okay, let's go with him. Because they tried to kill Jesus last time he was in Judea. They tried to kill him. And so Thomas says, let's, let's go and die with him. Let's just go and die with him. God knows he's going to die. This is going to be horrible. The way this is going to end, we're going to pick up the pieces. We all think we know how things are going to end. Nobody knows how things are going to end. But Jesus himself, give him a hand. Come on. 
You can have your version. The Bible says we look through a glass darkly. People say things in the name of God. They make prostrations, whatever that word is. I'll butcher the English language in these last few minutes. But I'm going to tell you, Thomas says, let's go and die with him. I'm going to tell you something. Thomas's name, who's also called Didymus, is a little bit dramatic. Next time somebody in your life gets a little bit dramatic, say, okay, Diddy. Look at your neighbor and say, okay, Diddy. And when you're the one to take it up, call him T. Diddy. Not P. Diddy, T. Diddy. Okay, T. Diddy. Thomas Didymus. Someone gets dramatic. But we know that Jesus waited because it was the custom that a spirit lingered on the earth for several days. So Jesus wanted to wait the fourth day because the first day wasn't much, second day wasn't good, third day, because the Jews believed that the spirit stayed in the earth. And Jesus wanted it to get to the place. He wanted it to be something that made the headlines. Listen to me. I had a, and I didn't bring it, but if you can imagine, this is a story about Frodo. I didn't read all of you Lord of the Rings people. I love you. But anyway, if this was full on the front and back, it'd be all the miracles that Jesus had done to this point. All the people he healed, all the lepers, all the blinded eyes. But Jesus had a different plan. He was going to headline this one. He was taking it to a higher level. Jesus sometimes wants to take things in our life. Say, Jesus wants to take things in my life to a higher level. He said, I'm glad for your sakes. I was not here. Now listen, because we're coming to the closing and a few minutes I have AC come up, but not, not for just a moment. But I want you to listen to me. Mary and Martha did not know the next verse in this passage. Do you understand that? They did not have Wikipedia to Google it. They did not have the plot and summary. Right now, he is dead. And the one, don't miss this gap between expectation and experience, the one who could have healed him did not come. The moment he could have sent his word, they're disappointed. And there are days as Christ followers that you will be momentarily disappointed. Go tweet that and see what people say. God is good all the time. And all the time he's good. Someone's going to say, not today. Don't seem to be me. Because momentarily, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be disappointed. Jesus, that's a whole other message, disappointed people in his birth. He disappointed him and he was born to a woman from a hick town. Come on, somebody, a teenager from a redneck town was the mother of our Lord. He didn't care about their expectations. He came to please the Father. And guess what? Jesus is still in the earth. He hit a moon that I wanted to please the Father. You may be momentarily disappointed that he did not come and stop it when he could have, but hold on. He's waiting to exceed your expectation. They thought when they said Hosanna when he came into Jerusalem, Pastor Todd, Hosanna means save now. Save now. And that's the way we do. Save now. But when they crucified him, those same people yelled out, crucify him because they thought he would deliver them from the oppression. But it momentarily looked like he was a victim to the same oppression. Listen, don't lose hope in the moment that you think Jesus looks like in the word and the Bible and the kingdom looks like it's momentarily under the same oppression that's holding you. Because I'm going to tell you, three days later, the stone gets rolled away and Jesus rises and he shows he will never be under the oppression of the enemy or the ways of the world. He is king. He is potentate. He is ruler. He is the son of the living God. Give him a praise real quick for we get ready to move on. What do you do when God's got a different plan than you do? It's disappointing, especially when he's the one holding the power. Come on, somebody. When God waits. He said, the sickness is not in death. Well, I just want to know, what is your definition of death, Jesus? He said, but for the glory of God. What do we do when our plan does not meet up? When our perspective is so different. God's plan, everyone say God's plan. Pastor Tracy, God's plan is so different than ours often because he has a different perspective why our plan doesn't meet up because God sees it in a different way but I want to tell you right now 
and every disappointment Rhonda Davis has ever had with Jesus momentarily until I saw how it was going to work out. Jesus has many more reasons to be disappointed in me and in you. I should be in hell. I should be in hell. Grace brought you and I into a relationship greater than anything we could have ever expected. Grace, hold on, Mashanda, called us sons and daughters. Grace lifted up at the miry clay, put a new name upon us, a new song in our mouth. Grace brought me to a place I could never be. If anyone should be disappointed, God should be disappointed in me, but he put every disappointment upon Christ at Calvary. Give him a hand clap of praise this morning. So Jesus finally comes. And I love this about Martha because in verse 18, it says, Martha heard Jesus was coming and she went out. Of course she did. With her hand on her hip is what I imagine. And the other finger pointed. Oh, she loved him, but she had something to say. Mary stayed at home in this path. She meets later in worship. That's another message. We just want to preach what we're preaching here today to meet the needs of this sermon. But Martha comes out. You wonder if she said, hey, Jesus. Wow, you're fashionably late. <laughs> Were you waiting for a big entrance? And she says these marvelous words that we've come to know as Christ followers. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You see how powerful that faith is? Because a lot of people don't say that. She knew he was the Messiah. She had come to know her Lord. If you had been here, this would have never happened. Why did you let this happen to my child? Why did my parent go through this? Jesus, if... If I could have better parents, I'd be in a better place now. If I never started doing drugs, I wouldn't be dealing with what I'm dealing now. If you just help me not be on drugs, why didn't you stop me the first time I ever did that? If I'd been raised by her parents, it'd been better. If my parents hadn't split up, if this hadn't happened, my boss hadn't fired me, I wouldn't be losing my home. If I hadn't gone through that breakdown, whatever that if is, if you'd kept this from happening. You know what, Jesus? Was your text, was your cell phone a little spotty in the coverage when we sent you the text? You sure did get our invitation when we invited you for dinner. Let's get real here for a moment. She could have said all that if you had been here. But then she said, but I know, but even now. My message this morning was somehow, even now. I didn't even tell you that. Somehow, even now. Somehow, even now. Somehow, even now, Jesus. She's caught between two continuums. Continuums. Well, I said that right. If you had been here and what might happen in the future, because Jesus says to her, he, he gets her right in the face. Because one thing you can't overlook is Martha is in the face of God. And she's saying eye to eye, if you'd been here, if you just stopped this thing at the beginning, before now, we could never have gone through this. If you'd been here. But even now, even now, I look into your eyes. Even now, I see you, Jesus. I can't feel everything you're all feeling this morning. This message is not about me, it's about you. I can't feel everything you're feeling, but sometimes I get waves of it and it moves me to unspeakable compassion. I wouldn't be here, Jesus. But even now, Jesus, I know a man like you. I've walked with you, I've talked with you. I've fellowshiped with you, you've corrected me. I know you can, Jesus. I know if you choose to, Jesus, you can heal this thing. You can restore this thing. You can get me out of my disappointments. You can get me out of this attack, whatever it is. She's caught between two continuums of this and that. Listen, this last moment. 
Martha said, if you'd been here, but even now, I know, I know whatever you ask of the Father. I've seen how much he loves you, Jesus. Oh, I've heard his words, Jesus, about you. And even now, if you ask him, I know he's going to give you whatever you want, because you're heaven's darling. Yes, I love more Jesus. He'll give it to you. Jesus said to her, Martha, your brother will rise. Again, now watch the caught between the continuum of this and that. Martha said to him, oh, I know, I know. I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Sometimes we put our hope on, I know someday I'll be happy. I know someday I'll get through this. She's deferring her hope. The devil loves to do that for you to hang your expectation on the future abstract way out there. Between the disappointment and what can be. But the presence of Jesus is in the presence is in the place right then. I love it that she came out to the gate because Jesus said, no, I'm the resurrection and the life. Martha, do you believe this? That he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. What he's saying, do you believe that between the, the this and that? That and this. This is the moment I'm in right now. And I'm telling you right now, I can turn this thing around. I'm telling you right now, I can bring something beauty out of your ashes. I can tell you right now that of your disappointment, I can bring glory. That grace and glory can come like a waterfall through suffering and raise you up. Do you believe this, Martha? And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this, Martha? She said, yes, Lord. Here she comes. I believe you are the Christ. See how he got her to come up here in her worship. Not put it off and say, yes, I believe you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. I believe. I love it that she came to meet him at the gate. I love at the gate of her disappointment she met him. One of the greatest sports moments of all time. People are amazed when I come up with sports things because I, I, read, I read a lot and I listen a lot. A good friend of mine just reported, a pastor in North Carolina, about his father. So the greatest sports moment in history was in the early 1980s when Boston College beat Miami Hurricane in the Orange Bowl. Listen, a man like, named Doug Flutie threw a Hail Mary pass in the end of the game, 48 yards with the clock running out, time running out on the clock. It was called Hail Mary, and you know why? Because there was no way in it was going to happen. Come on, somebody. Hail Mary. But guess what? The guy catches it. The guy gets it. Boston College beats Miami Hurricanes in the last minute. No one expected it. But the guy that went to the thing, I thought it was so powerful, he says, but I almost missed it, son. What do you mean you almost missed it? He said, I almost left the game because nothing was happening. I almost left the game because the score was so bad. All I was worried about is how crowded it was in the parking garage. I was going to get killed if I didn't get out there, get my car out of there. I almost missed what I came to see. I almost missed what I came to see. Listen, don't leave the stadium ahead of the time of what you came to see Jesus do for you. Jesus is still in, whoa, I believe I'm going to get happy, in the situation. Lazarus did die. It wasn't okay. We can't define what it means to die. But right here he's saying, your expectation should have been me. You see, in the scene of our greatest disappointment, there is a great possibility 
that is the setting for our most powerful miracle. If you don't leave the stadium, if you meet Jesus at the gate, cry, but don't leave early. Hurt, but don't leave early. Get angry, but don't leave early. Meet Jesus at the gate. Don't leave the stadium and while the time is clicking because it's not done till God says it's done. Somebody give him a hand clap of praise. As you stand all over this house, no one moving, just stand. Listen to me. Listen to me. What Martha was saying is I'm talking to the Messiah. I can't predict how you're going to bring this thing around, but I'm not going to leave the stadium till the game's done. I'm not going to miss what I came for. The other day I was walking heavy hearted on the greenway. Praise is so important to me. Ooh, I couldn't find prayer, couldn't find nothing. Just so heavy. And all of a sudden, thank God it had been raining. Nobody's out there. I was back on the backside where nobody is. And it came gushing out of me. I'm not going to say everything I said, but the praise of, I love you, God. I love you to the day I die. I worship you. You've never done me nothing but good. I love you, Jesus. I believe you are the Christ. And as I began to say it, tears flowed so strong. If anybody see me, I'd look crazy, but I was sweating so hard they wouldn't know the difference between the tears and the sweat. Thank God. But in that moment, I think I was having a moment ahead of even this message of what Martha's saying. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm going to tell you something. I love you. I'm going to tell you something. I praise you. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to pray when it's the hardest to pray. I'm going to worship. Sometimes you see people worship and you think, oh, well, they just must have woke up with Abraham. You see me worshiping, it's usually I woke up needing to worship somebody higher than me. You see, anyone, no one could expect this. T. Diddy didn't expect it would turn out this way. Martha didn't expect it because Jesus did. He went up. He said, roll away the stone. He cried out, Lazarus, come forth. You see, Lazarus didn't expect it. He was in heaven saying, this is cool. This is awesome. This is glorious. Whoops, wait a minute. I think I'm going back. Let me tell you something. Don't leave the game until it's done. Your expectation is of him. You need an upgrade from him. I want to tell you this morning, somehow God will do a miracle. Everyone say now, somehow, say even now, somehow. Here I am. Here you are. Here's my dream. I'm not about to leave the stadium of faith until I see what I came for. I want you to put your hands together and give him the highest praise. Come on, I want somebody to praise him at three minutes after 12. I want someone to magnify him. I want you to bless his name and praise him. Come on, all over this house, I want you to praise him. Come on, I want you to magnify him. I want you to praise him that he 